This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 760 with Ray McDaniel. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 760. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Ray McDaniel, they, them, is a non-binary speaker, author, therapist, certified sex therapist, coach, and transgender diversity and inclusion educator. Ray helps audiences gain the sheer audacity to be themselves in the world through play, pleasure, and possibility. Their book, Gender Magic, coming out on May 31st, is a first-of-its-kind practical guide to achieving gender freedom with joy, curiosity, and pleasure for transgender and non-binary individuals, gender explorers, and those who love them. Ray has been featured in the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, Time, and Women's Health, and has spoken at Rutgers University, University of Chicago, Soho House, The Wing, and Rachel Rogers Millionaire's Summit. Ray is also the founder and CEO of Practical Audacity, a gender and sex therapy practice in Chicago, serving over 300 clients annually. When Ray is not educating audience and audiences and bettering the world, they can be found drinking too much coffee, snuggling with their dog Gizmo, who I can vouch for ha- having like all the loads of cuteness. Gizmo and Piper really need to have a play date at some point. And Ray also wants you to know that Gizmo might also be a gremlin. Ray can also be found often sipping whiskey with a good book. Ray and I met a few years ago at a an event. Well, we were actually in a business mastermind together. So we went, met in an event that then resulted in Ray joining this business mastermind that we were in together for a while. And oh, I can't say what a pleasure it's been getting to know them. And Ray was actually on the show a couple of years ago. And as I do, I said at that time, hey, when you write the book, you ought to come back. And here we go. They wrote the book. So listen in to hear Ray share how their journey as a queer non-binary person inspired their work how their work as a sex therapist serving trans and non-binary people inspired their book, Gender Magic, the significance of integrating play, pleasure, and possibility into gender exploration, the importance of knowing and understanding what we are moving toward versus what we are running away from when we're considering our own choices and or when we're considering the choices of those around us and how we might sometimes judge them, 
what the spectrum of gender expression looks like and what it looks like well beyond the binary of only male and female, how our gender evolves as we evolve over the course of our lives, how freedom around gender expression deeply enhances and impacts the entire world, questions to ask yourself if you're struggling to accept or understand non-binary and trans people, and the importance of being the loudest advocate and ally you can possibly be right now more than ever for the LGBTQ plus community. So, oh my gosh, we cover so much in this episode. I know that you're going to love it. I know that you're going to resonate with Ray's messages on different levels, whether you're an ally, whether you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, whether you're parenting an LGBTQ plus child. And I really, really want to encourage you to go out and get Ray's book, Gender Magic. I think it's a really, really important read for parents, for allies, for community members, so that we can all do our very best to build a safe world for everyone around us. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Ray McDaniel back to the Shameless Mom Academy. Ray, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be back and to be chatting with you again. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So you're one of those people that when we wrapped up our last interview, when you were here a couple of years ago now, I think, um, Mm -hmm. and I said, Hey, like when you write a book, you got to come back and you wrote the book. I did. I wrote the book and I am back. So exciting. So first of all, congratulations on writing the book. The book is gender magic. And we're going to dig into a bunch of parts of it today, but before we dig into the book, can you do a little catch up for us when you were here last time? you shared a story that has not been beat to this day about growing up with a family of puppeteers. And <laughs> no one else has come to an interview with that story. So people can go back and I'll link to our past interview to talk about, or if people want to listen in and hear about your really unique and fun and different upbringing that I think is absolutely fascinating. Beyond all the places that you've been and the things that you've been through, can you catch us up a little bit beyond your bio right now in terms of personal and professional life and what you're most excited about? Yeah. So right now what I'm doing is primarily getting the word out about gender magic. I'm doing a lot more speaking. So this feels like an entirely new chapter of my career that I'm really excited about. My hope and what I'm really thrilled about is that I hope Gender Magic launches my career as a professional speaker and an author of many, many more books. On top of that, I'm also still the founder and CEO of a a group therapy practice in Chicago called Practical Audacity. I have an incredible admin team there that is doing most of the day-to-day operations of that. And then on a, a personal note, I'm enjoying not writing a book right now. (laughs) I joke, but I realized when I finished that I had been spending every morning for like an hour and a half, two hours before I actually started my job job writing. And I had been doing that for a couple of years. So I've now reclaimed my mornings a little bit and I have made a rule that my first cup of coffee is mine. And so I sit down and I read usually a fiction book. I've been on a sci-fi kick lately. So I'm excited to have that space in the morning. And then I'm just really excited for summer, for things to get a little warmer here in Chicago. And I took up motorcycle riding over the pandemic. So I'm excited to get my bike out for the my second season as an official motorcycle rider. I love it. I love the like therapist turned motorcycle rider. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into so it. So good. Can you tell us a little bit about your therapy practice? Because I think it's an important piece to, it connects to the book really beautifully. And I'm sure a lot of the work that you have done over the years in your therapy practice really inspired the book. Absolutely. So I've been in the mental health field working with trans and non-binary folks for over 10 years at this point. And I started my own private practice in 2018. We quickly grew and we have about 20-ish folks who work for me now. Most of them are clinicians at Practical Audacity. We focus on the queer population and allies. And we, in particular, my work focuses primarily on the trans and non-binary population and specifically at the intersection of relationships and sexuality. I'm also a certified sex therapist. So I bring a lot of that into my work. 
my entire practice of folks also focus on gender and sexuality among many other things. And yes, the work that I was doing with my clients there provided the backbone for gender magic. I love that. When our work helps us evolve professionally, and then it so expands how we can show up and serve and have impact in the world. And I've seen that in the few years that I've gotten to watch your career. I was going to say, watch your career expand, but I would say, watch your career explode would be the better word for it. (laughs) Thank you. You also personally have a story that inspires the book and the work that you do. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know we talked a little bit about your journey in the last interview, but can you tie your own personal story into the book as well? Sure. So there's a few facets of it. I think the most important thing is that I'm queer and non-binary. I grew up, you alluded to this, in a a very interesting way as the adopted child of, of Southern Baptist missionary puppeteers who traveled around the United States. So as you can imagine, coming out of that environment and later identifying as queer and non-binary is a a very specific journey that I had to unlearn a lot of, of what I grew up with and navigate having a family that is not supportive of who I am. So that is a big part of my story. Another part of my story and my journey to be a sex therapist is that I also had a pelvic pain disorder. And in that environment and kind of a conservative rural area, I felt very broken. I didn't really have the resources that I needed. So my journey to discover what it meant to feel pleasure in my own body and to be able to connect with myself and others in a way that felt good was something that was very profound for my development. And it's something that I think is hugely important for for so many of us. So yeah, I had this really unique experience of coming out as non-binary while I was working with a lot of trans clients. And we were kind of on this parallel journey together. It reminds me of, as a sociology and psychology major who worked in a psychiatric hospital, it reminds me of something I heard early on in my career around like you create the work that you need and you teach the things that you need the most. And we often, I think, subconsciously go into work that we're like, oh, I didn't know that I needed to learn that for me. Like I thought I was going to learn it to serve the world in a certain way or use my gifts in a certain way or have impact in a certain way. And then you're like, oh, wait, I'm my my own best student, right? <laughs> oh, yes. That has a hundred percent been my story is my career has always been a step or two head ahead of mm-hmm. my personal development. Mm-hmm. And I, I blame it on being a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I would say similarly with the Scorpio, but I would say my personal is like a step or two, like I'm the opposite. I'm like a step or two uh-huh. ahead personally, but then I'm like, oh, this is content. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. The, stick, the story that just happened to me, that was a really valuable lesson. How can I use that? A hundred percent. I remember when you were here before, I remember you talking about your journey and you it just alluded to your, the fact that your family was not supportive of your journey and not fully accepting as you were coming out. And one of the things we talked about when you were here before was the opportunity for people to transition with ease, if not even pleasure versus pain and trauma, which I think is what I, as a cis straight person, I see pain and trauma so often in stories when I'm reading about people transitioning. And I know your focus is so much around bringing ease and pleasure and joy. And so can you talk about that piece? Um, And I know specifically that the book is really um, wrapped around play, pleasure, and possibility. Can you dig into that piece a bit in terms of really trying to flip that narrative for folks? Absolutely. And I think you named a really important thing. And it's that the stories of folks having a lot of suffering or anxiety or painful things happen when they are exploring gender or transitioning is we have those stories because those stories happen. I have heard those stories from my clients. We have heard those in the media many, many, many times. So we can't ignore that it's true that it can be difficult to explore and transition your gender, especially in the world and the political climate that we live in today. My work in gender magic does very specifically bring in these pillars of play, pleasure, and possibility 
because I think that those pillars ground us in what we need to be able to explore ourselves from a a place that is less focused on all of the very difficult things that might come up and more focused on our why about what we are striving towards. So I'll give you an example uh, in Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski, which I which I quote, literally lives on my desk. <laughs> one of the best books ever. Oh, I love that book. It's so good. She talks about a study where they take two groups of people, they put them in different little study environments, and their goal is to do it's a kind of a coloring sheet of this little maze where there's a mouse and the mouse has to get through the maze, right? one group of participants has a big scary owl on the edge of the page and their little mouse is running away from the owl through the maze the other one has a a little thing of cheese at the end of the maze that the mouse is running towards and what they found was that the group of people who had the cheese right the thing that was a reward the thing that they were excited about to move towards they made it through the, the maze faster and they made it with less anxiety based on on their report. What we can take away from this is that we, our brains work better. It activates a different part of our brain when we are focused on what we are moving towards versus what we are moving away from. So the focus on play, pleasure, and possibility is about creating a vision and giving folks practical tools and mindsets to focus on what they are moving towards, which helps them make decisions from a more grounded place. It makes the entire process much less painful and creates a lot more ease for folks. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this 
super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. That is such an interesting, thank you for sharing that study. And that reminder of noticing what we're moving toward versus what we're moving away from is really applicable in so many aspects of life, not just in gender, but I'm like, note to self, like put that on a (laughs) post-it, apply it every day. I love that. I want to back up just a little bit because I think there's an important foundational piece that I should have brought up earlier. When you were here last time, I remember talking about and asking you a question around gender and how and around gender existing on a spectrum. And I mm-hmm. I re- just realized that we entered this conversation that with an assumption on my part that everyone listening knows what that means. And I think that that's an important piece for people to hear if they haven't heard our previous conversation or just maybe aren't, haven't looked at gender in that way. So can we talk about gender existing on a spectrum versus either a male, female binary or male, female, non-binary, like only three categorizations? Absolutely. The spiel I always like to give at the beginning of these conversations is to ground us in the fact that biology itself is much more diverse than we originally thought. And I compare this to the understanding of the earth revolves around the sun and not the sun and everything else in the universe revolves around the earth. When that discovery was made, when it was first started to be spoken about, the uh, religious folks of the day, the folks who were in power, they tried to shut that conversation down. And people were very fearful about it because it challenged their ideas of who they were and what their place was in the world. And I think the conversation around gender is in a really similar place Mm -hmm. where we are learning so much more about the vast diversity within human bodies and that these categories of male and female as two binary, distinct, completely different categories is not really supported by the science. So building on that, if you build on that to gender, which we are assigned a sex at birth and we all get a gender that goes along with that as our assigned gender. Often we think of there is male and female and then, you know, there's some conversation around a non-binary identity, which some people kind of view as a checkbox as well. And I would like to invite people to think about gender as a spectrum where there are many ways that we might understand who we are, both related and unrelated to gender, and many ways on top of that, that we get to choose how we want to express who we are to the world. Uh, And I also talk about in Gender Magic, this idea that I think often people are stuck on this, this desire to understand gender and a line that I hear a lot is, well, I don't understand it. I don't get the spectrum of gender. I don't understand all these new words or how people are talking about gender. And I like to invite people in to think about gender the same way that we think about space and the universe or the ocean in that the more we learn about it, the more we realize what we don't know, but we don't feel threatened by that. It's exciting to have a sense of mystery and awe when we think about these vast complex topics that we will probably never fully understand. And our understanding is always evolving about. That makes so much sense. And it makes sense when you're talking about play, pleasure, and possibility. And we talk about moving toward pleasure versus running from 
non-pleasure <laughs> or pain, <running laughs> suffering, pain, suffering. Yes. Yeah, suffering is the right word. I'm like, what's the word for non-pleasure? Um, so <laughs> we're talking about moving away from suffering. I think that opens the door for a lot of curiosity and exploration. And I hear people talking about this. So Vinny's 10 and I have friends who have kids who are in like 13, 14 year old age groups. And I'm hearing a lot of them talking about in the middle school, high school level, there is a lot more exploration around gender identity. And I was just talking to someone last week about it, like that kids are lean exploring one thing, one month and another thing, another month. And depending on where you live, that may or may not be okay. Interest, mm-hmm. I'm in Western Washington. I'm in Seattle. Like that is very okay here. I mean, not to say that there's not people who struggle with it, but for the most part, that's pretty widely accepted for people to express their gender, however they want to. And it's interesting to see how young people are really open to this and really whether someone, so the person I was talking to the other day has a son who's 14 and she was saying, yeah, like he very much identifies male and that's great, but he has multiple friends who have explored kind of different facets of their identity and things shift and change. And my sister's like, I really, it's really hard for me to keep up because she's like, names are changing and pronouns are changing. She's like, I'm really doing my best, but it's that piece of it. I think is really interesting that we're in a really different world. And I think some people are really open and ready to embrace what that can look like. And that that expansiveness can be such a beautiful thing for so many people. And then I think other people have a lot of fear and trepidation around it. Can you dig in a little bit to that piece around society and the freedom that comes for the people who want to explore that? And then what can people do who are feeling panicked and, oh my gosh, people are changing their identity all the time and changing their gender all the time. And kind of that, um, I want to say hysteria around it. (laughs) I like the term hysteria. It does feel like that right now. Yeah. Suddenly gender is a big deal with a capital B and D big deal. I like to invite people to think about gender and exploring or even transitioning gender as just a part of self growth. You know, what people are doing fundamentally as they're exploring this part of themselves is moving towards authenticity. They are intentionally engaging with these different parts of themselves, how they identify, how they want to express that to the world and and growing and changing. And if we view this as any other, like we do any other type of self-exploration and self-growth, it becomes a lot less panic-worthy Because if we think about it as everyone just moving towards their most authentic self, number one, that is a very dynamic mindset. No one ever arrives at their most authentic Mm -hmm. self. Like I truly feel the most authentic I have ever felt in my life. But if I, my authentic self today is exactly the same in 10 years, I think I've probably done something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always growing and changing. And I think bringing that idea into this conversation fundamentally shifts how we view it and fundamentally shifts this hysteria and panic over young people exploring different parts of themselves and that shifting and changing over their lifetime as well. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned gender freedom, which is how it's my phrase that I really love. It's a core part of gender magic because gender freedom applies to everyone. You know, this is not a conversation that is just about trans and non-binary folks. This is a conversation saying that all of us, no matter what our identity now, were put into a box when we were born. We were assigned a gender and there are huge and influential societal and cultural expectations that go along with that gender that influences our careers, our values, how we talk, how we show up in the world, how we engage in relationships. And I think it is extremely helpful and freeing for everyone to critically consider is how I'm showing up in the world truly authentic to me? 
is there something that would feel better or more expansive for me? And sometimes that breaks the rules of our assigned gender, you know, rules in, in quotations. And sometimes it doesn't. But even if it, it doesn't break the quote unquote rules, you're able to choose it and do it more intentionally. So for example, um, I had somebody who helped me with the developmental edits of Gender Magic, and she's a cisgender woman, and she was reading through and she did the exercises in the book. And she came to me and she said, you know, I was really open to doing these exercises. And I realized that I am a cisgender woman and I love being a cisgender woman. And it actually gave me even more permission to lean into what femininity means to me and to feel more freedom around that. You know, we I love that example. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll give you another example of how this shows up and brings so much more freedom to folks. I was sitting down with another friend of mine who is a, a cisgender man, a straight man, has a, a young daughter who's about seven and was telling me about a like daddy-daughter date that they had and she wanted to do makeup on him. And he's telling me the story and he didn't think a thing about it. He's like, yeah, I did makeup with her. It was really cute. And I'm like, I want to pause you there because there are so many men, so many dads who would feel so threatened by a seven-year-old putting makeup on them that they wouldn't do it. And what a missed opportunity to have a connecting night with your daughter. That means yeah. absolutely nothing about your identity or your manhood or your masculinity. Nothing. Right. It was just a connecting time with your daughter. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that so much. And I think that when we step away from our social conditioning, we get to be in those magical moments and build from there, which I think is really significant. I want to go back to something. And I think this ties into what you just said about both with both of those examples, but something that you said about yourself that you've never felt like you're more authentic than you do now. And as I've watched at first I was, as I was thinking this through, I was thinking, oh, I've noticed this about Ray. As I've watched Ray evolve over the last few years that I keep seeing you just become more you. And like, it's really, really obvious. It's not like Ray's becoming a different person. It's like, no, Ray's becoming more Ray. Like every time you post something on social, every time you do a photo shoot for sure, like, oh my <laughs> God. And so seeing that has been really, really cool. And then as I was thinking that through, I was like, oh wait, hold on. Every person I know in the LGBTQ plus community I would say that about that every person as I've, after they've come out and I've gotten to see that process and I've gotten to see them evolve in a more public way and step more into themselves with more comfort as they've felt more safety. It has really been like, oh, you're just becoming more you like, yes. and it's such a delightful thing to see. I'm thinking about a really close relative right now. And for so long, decades of their life didn't get have the opportunity to safely express themselves. And now I can like, this person is such a gift to everyone in our family because they're living as fully as themselves as they are. And I want people to see that piece that when we all get to be that full version. So if that is really acknowledging the example that you gave the woman who's reading your book, who's a cisgender female, who's like, oh, I just want to be the most feminine version of myself. That feels the most authentic me. Like that is the same thing as going, you know, being able to express all the way in a different direction, but being the most authentic version of yourself. And when you can do that in a safe way, the freedom that you get to live with is, you know, obviously so significant, but also the way that the rest of the world gets to receive you and like the gifts, there's so much reciprocity in the gifts there. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you said that because that is it, right? That is the point. And first of all, thank you for the compliments. I appreciate that. <laughs> it does feel like that to me too, which has been a really fun thing to experience in my life. You named something that I think is very, very significant, which is as you've seen me, as you've seen your relative, as you've seen these other people in your life, lean into being more themselves your voice even said this, is that they light up, right? Mm -hmm. They have a different energy. I, I bring a different energy to my life, to my work, to my relationships. That is the point. 
when we are all free to be the most authentic version of ourselves, free from shame and free from fear, we get to show up to life lit up. And that, that creates true magic in the world. And I want everybody, regardless of their identity, to feel what that is like, because it it truly is a magical experience. And I think this also goes back to the, the idea of what are we working towards and the play, pleasure, and possibility. One of the reasons that I wrote Gender Magic was because people weren't talking about this side of the coin, which was my experience of of joy and pleasure being more myself the the lit up faces of my clients as they described being more themselves there is a whole world out there of queer and trans joy and pleasure and thriving that is not talked about yeah yeah and i think that piece is really important to recognize it parallels black joy in a lot of ways. And yes. my good friend, Jasmine Bradshaw, who has done a lot of work, she has a podcast called First Name Basis. It's all around race and culture and teaching kids about race and culture. And she got to this point in the podcast where she was like, I can't only like, it is irresponsible of me to only talk about the oppression of black people over the course of centuries, because then I'm negating black joy and white people need to know about black joy. And I hear some really significant parallels in what you just said, Mm -hmm. that we have to be able to see that there's that we have to be able to 100% acknowledge the oppression. And especially right now in terms of what's happening, especially in certain States, um, because that is really real and really awful and problematic. And we have to also recognize the joy and the beautiful things that can come out of people being able to express their gender in whatever way feels most authentic to them. Absolutely. Yes. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. For folks who feel discomfort around moving away from this binary that maybe they've been really, really accustomed to and comfortable in, do you have any questions that people might consider or thoughts that people might consider that might help them 
start to be able to see things through a different lens. We've, you've given so many beautiful examples, but are there any questions that people can kind of have in their mind when they maybe start to go to like default judgments or thoughts when they see someone I'm, I've been in this situation, like you're with a loved one in a grocery store and they see someone and they make a really weird comment. And you're like, we don't talk about people like that. <laughs> we don't say that kinds of stuff about people in public places. How can, for people that have this default that might just be through a lens of judgment that maybe isn't always super respectful. Is there a way that we can start to shift that, those default thoughts and questions in our head? Sure. I love this question. First of all, the question I would ask first of people is to consider why it is that a binary system of gender feels safe to you. Because typically what I see at the the core of people reacting in negative ways to trans and non-binary folks or simply gender nonconformity is because something feels unsafe or uncomfortable to them. And I get really curious about why that is, but what is it about this binary system of gender and these rule books of how we're supposed to show up in our genders, what feels good and safe and comfortable about that? And to just do a little bit of internal inquiry about that. Another thought I would give people or idea is to accept that you maybe won't fully understand and that you don't have to. And that mm -hmm. not fully understanding someone else's experience can be a beautiful thing. You know, I mentioned earlier the ocean or space, and I don't know about you, but when I stand and look at a bunch of stars or I stand in the ocean, I definitely do not understand even a, a smidge of everything I would need to understand to know what's going on in those spaces. But I am in awe of it and I can appreciate the beauty of it. And sometimes the beauty comes because there are things that are a mystery to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I invite people to think about what about this person can you find beautiful and awesome in that very traditional use of that word of awesome. Yeah. Another thing I would invite people into is considering how the, the gender binary has hurt all of us you can even think about things like healthcare, in which we have gendered healthcare in such a way that there are symptoms of debilitating and sometimes fatal diseases that are not caught in certain populations because of gendered assumptions. No heart attacks are not caught nearly as often in cisgender women because there are assumptions about how that shows up that are pretty specific to cisgender men in many cases. Mm -hmm. And that's just one example of the ways that our gendered society can even at times be be fatal to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no one listening to this is going to be surprised about the research that has been done and how gender shows up in the workspace and how it mm -hmm. silences certain genders over others, primarily women. So those are some things to start with one phrase that I love, this is by a friend of mine, an author, uh, Jennifer Pastelov, who talks about beauty hunting. And I love bringing that into this conversation of where can you find beauty in that difference? And where can you find beauty in someone else expressing themselves authentically, even if you don't get it? Mm, yeah. I love that you ended that question with that piece because there was something you said in the middle that I wanted to go back to that ties into that. I think seeing people express themselves different, seeing when I see someone expressing themselves differently than I express myself or doing something different growing up, it was more of a, like, Oh, that's weird. <laughs> like that's uh -huh. like kind of with like a snark and like a side eye, like that's just weird. And as I've gotten older and wiser now I can have the sense of curiosity, like, Oh, that's different. And I'm so curious and, Oh, they seem to really love, like, love that, or that's really working for them. Or I, they see a lot of joy in that. And that sparks curiosity. And that's been a really interesting journey, especially on social media. Um, and especially in terms of what I choose to see on my Instagram feed is so many life experiences that are so different than mine. And 
following people from all different backgrounds um, and just having this constant curiosity and really recognizing what beauty and joy looks like and how it looks when you look across people who are of all different body shapes and all different body sizes and all different gender expressions. And it actually looks so much more awesome and exciting and fun and and like, and actually, and even like inviting. Then when I look at only people who look like me on social media, who are like striving to uphold a certain ideal that happens to be a category that I fit into, like, that's actually super boring. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. I wanted to ask about something. I actually, speaking of Instagram, something that I saw the other day on Instagram that I thought was really great. And I wanted to get your take on it. So I saw a post and I think it was from a, if I recall, it was from a dad um, who said, I have a child that identifies as non-binary. They might be that way their entire life, or it might be a phase they go through. Either way, my role as a parent is to offer unconditional love and support. If it's important to them, I will follow them anywhere. And I was like standing up and cheering and <laughs> wanted to get your thoughts on, on that quote, but also just how parents can be supportive as our children explore gender, because I think that's only going to become like children are only going to continue to explore it more and more. Yes. So, I mean, if you're asking how to be supportive, that quote, that's how you do it is not attaching to a certain outcome right? Your child may grow and change in in different ways. Sometimes children know who they are from a very, very young age. This, any child, right? Not even just talking about gender. And sometimes they will grow and expand and change a lot over their lifetime. And your job is to foster them being the most authentic person they can be. I mean, that I am not a parent, except of my fur baby. But if I were, That would be my goal of I want to raise a child who is authentically themselves in the world, because I think that is such a strong foundation for anything that they might want to go do, be, etc. The basics go a long way in this conversation, which is great because that is low hanging fruit calling your child the name and pronouns and gendering them correctly based on who they tell you they are goes such a long way. So those skills, they're going to take and you far. And even if that changes a few even times. Even if that changes. Yeah. <laughs> and it it doesn't matter, right? It's a name and and pronouns. Those might change for people over their lifetime. And that is a-okay. One of the other things I would say that is especially important right now is to be an advocate and to be a loud advocate. So the folks who are trying to take away rights for transgender people are very loud right now. So we need people who can be equally loud, who can call their legislators, who can write letters, who can show up at protest, who can show up at the the parent conferences and the things at the schools and really fight for the rights and the autonomy of of queer youth. Mindset also plays a really big part And viewing gender exploration and whatever that looks like for your child as a part of self-growth really helps you relax a bit. And like I was saying, not be attached to any sort of outcomes here and just let your your child explore and, and be themselves in the world. The last thing that I would say is focusing on that play piece and viewing gender exploration as play. You know, when you're you're playing, there isn't this attachment to an outcome. People get to experiment with different things, show up in different ways, and it's all just part of the process. And it's pleasurable and fun and lighthearted. And gender, even in the world we live in today, it can be lighthearted and fun um, and bring a lot of joy to people. And I think that is an important aspect of gender exploration to to not forget about and to try to bring into your household as, as much as possible. I think it's important to recognize the significance of checking our own ego and our own conditioning and our own heteronormative and heteronormative is not as expansive as I want, but like our own just like limitations 
around what we might be seeing in our child. And so mm-hmm. even if we're thinking like, I want to be really open, but we've been conditioned in a certain way because of the culture that we live in, it's a little bit of mental gymnastics. And so checking yourself before saying something to your child or making an assumption or even making a rule for them and recognizing like, oh, wait, I'm having this thought because of how I was raised, or I'm having a worry because of how, of you know, the culture or the society that I was raised in. And how can I disconnect from that a little bit so that I can let my child get what they need out of their lived experience and not let my own stuff get in the way, which like takes some work for sure. But I think that that can be a bit of a gateway. Absolutely. And you name something I think is important there is the worry part. I think a lot of parents who who want to be supportive will also bring this energy of, well, now your life is going to be so hard and I'm so worried about you. And that's not coming from nowhere. I, I get that as a parent. And your kid knows, like, trust me, your your kid knows that it's hard out there. They don't need to be told that again. Um, there's something to be said for helping them develop skills around keeping themselves safe. Mm-hmm. And what they need most is for you to celebrate them because that is the piece that is missing from the larger culture. Mm, I love that point. Thank you for that. The last thing I want to touch on is degendering language. And you have talked about this. You you um, contributed to an article on degendering de- language in the workplace. And I've had the opportunity to, to do some work with gender minority groups um, in corporate. And one of the things I've noticed is that as a cisgender woman, sometimes it's uncomfortable for me to use certain t- terminology because it doesn't connect to me or my experience. And so I'm very worried about getting it wrong and like offending someone. And so... I'm especially conscientious in certain environments about how I say things and how I'm making sure to be inclusive. But then I'm like in the back of my mind, like, did I say it wrong? Did I get it wrong? What I've recognized is that in making an attempt to get it right, it allows people to be seen in a way that they often aren't seen. And that doesn't mean that I get it right all the time, but I often think, well, I can just skip this part because no one will notice But when I don't skip that part, when I do go the extra mile to make sure that I use language that is gender inclusive, that the people in the room, that it helps to feel safe, it makes all the difference. And that's what matters most is like one or two people in the room having a different level of trust and safety because I chose to say something that maybe was a little out of my comfort zone to make sure that someone else felt comfortable. And so you made the point in the article that a lot of people won't notice it when you do degender language, but the people that do notice it are feeling held in a totally different way. And that's hugely significant. Can you touch on that a little bit? I mean, you said it really well, the people who this is for, right? The people who are being included, who were excluded before via language will notice, and it will mean the world to them. And that is enough of a motivation to go the extra mile, to learn something new in your language. And everybody can take a a deep breath and know that you are not going to be perfect and you're not required to be, but you are required to try as an ally Um, and as somebody who wants to be more inclusive and to be brave in that space and maybe use language that is a little bit more unfamiliar to you or that you're just not used to yet. I think one of the reasons that people get so flustered about this is that they aren't familiar with it. And the great news about that is that practice helps. I mean, that anything that you're unfamiliar with, repetition is how you get familiar with something. So slowing down and maybe taking an extra bit of time to say something a little bit more slowly than you might have said it otherwise, to practice, say, in front of a mirror or if you're in the car alone, you can say things out loud and just quite literally get your mouth used to saying the words, get your brain used to that neural pathway, and it becomes a lot easier. One of the first things here is awareness. So noticing the ways that you might use gendered language or one pro tip I have is to go to Target or the grocery store and look at all the things that are ridiculous that are gendered. Mm -hmm. Things like, 
earplugs or tea or uh, <laughs> just weird things that as a society, we've decided that, oh, we need a special version of this for women and for men. Right. Once you start seeing that, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a habit of trying to catch, okay, when are we being ridiculous or unintentional? Mm-hmm. A lot of times I think gendered language is um, we use it as a shortcut for what we actually mean. So we say women or, or men or masculinity or femininity when we mean things like strong or soft or collaborative or com- competitive. And it, we can be a lot more precise with our language if we just take a minute to consider what it is that we're actually trying to say. And that makes such an enormous difference in inviting other people in to in a way that they can hear whatever it is that we're trying to communicate. Yeah. Tell people who should go out and buy gender magic. Well, obviously anybody who is exploring gender is that's a great uh, audience for this book, but I also wrote it specifically so that anyone who has a loved one who is exploring gender, who is interested in the topic of gender freedom generally, or who has felt like they are trapped in a box of their assigned gender at birth, can read Gender Magic and not only understand better about their loved one's experience and how to support them, but understand more about themselves and critically look at not only gender, but intimacy, how they want to show up in the world, boundaries, all these things that I think are applicable to a much broader audience than just the trans and non-binary population. Fantastic. Okay. So where can people find you and find the book? My hub right now is Instagram, which you can find at at the Ray McDaniel. That's Ray R A E. And from there, there is a link to gendermagic.com where you can purchase the book. There's a link to my website and all sorts of, of goodies, my mailing list in there, which I invite you to join if you'd like. Perfect. So we will link that up in the show notes. We'll link up to your website. We'll link up to the book link. And then we'll also link right through to Instagram as well. Oh my goodness, Ray, this has been so good. Can you tell us in one sentence how you're currently showing up shamelessly? Yes. The book launch, which is the (laughs) most vulnerable thing I have ever experienced. You have a book coming out May 30th, Gender Magic, that tells people a lot about my life and a lot about my sex life and my relationships. And it's about to be available to anyone who wants to read it. And that is hugely vulnerable and very shameless. Yes. Oh my gosh. So this episode will be out the week before the book is out. Pre-sales are a really big deal. So I just want to give a big plug for if people are interested in the book, please go buy it now because pre-sales actually really help drive making certain lists and all sorts of other things that can be really significant for authors. So please support Ray's book and go get gender magic. Ray, thank you for being here. When you write the next book, (laughs) you have to come back. I absolutely will. Thank you so much for having me. As always, this was amazing. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.